This is Rewired Radio with Erica Spiegelman, addiction and wellness specialist, motivational speaker, and author, helping individuals, couples, and families regain a sense of control, leading to personal growth, wellness, and a more fulfilling life. Here's Erica Spiegelman. Welcome, everyone. We have a fantastic show today. And, you know, I rarely get to discuss interventions, and we have the king of interventions with us today. Um, Intervention, as most of you know, is a powerful tool that can save the life of someone battling an addiction. However, interventions can also be emotionally draining and taxing for the people involved. Family and friends are confronting not only a loved one, but also the painful realities of how these addictions have affected their own lives. I'm pleased to welcome Ken Seeley. He's an internationally known intervention expert who will talk to us about what interventions can achieve and how they can affect everyone involved. Um, Ken is going to share his stories from his extensive experience and will also help us understand how the families can work through many emotions that may surface during and after an intervention. Ken, welcome to the show. So happy to have you with us today. Hey, Erica, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm wonderful. And I am pleased to be able to finally discuss this this uh, word, this this word intervention, which brings up so much fear for people. And it's something that, you know, I get I get clients that call me or people that find me and then they'll say to me, I don't know how to approach my cousin or my brother and he's out of control and we've tried everything and, you know, we don't know what to do. And I mean, it's it's like the fear and the energy that is that is vibrating from these people is just over the top. um stressful. And so can you tell us a little bit about how you got into interventions and what your business looks like today? Absolutely. Yeah. And I I think, you know, when most people out there, the general public, they think of the word intervention as being intrusive, you know, how dare you do that? It's, you know, punitive, it's, you know, attacking (laughs) their loved ones. So it kind of, it's fearful, you know, and heartbreaking (laughs) to, to, think that that's the understanding of what the people out there think of intervention when really it's the most loving and respectful thing you could ever do for somebody you care about. Mm, so, so happy um, you said that. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could change the wording. <laughs> so it's yeah. So scary. <laughs> Exactly. But, but I do feel like, isn't it, I mean, it's not just me. People do that word does, does bring up a little fear in people. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it scares the crap out of people every time, you know, you bring it up, but, you know, I don't even like using the word because, you know, they're like, <laughs> they think that they're going to go in and yeah. create an army against their loved one. And, you know, I like know. I said, it's the most respectful and loving thing that you could do. And in all reality, when I started doing interventions, God, close to 20 years ago, you know, it was about number one, just getting somebody to treatment that didn't want to go period. Right. And, you would do anything to just get that person to go to treatment. And, um, and as the years moved on and, you know, and I would see that people would go to treatment, but they wouldn't stay sober. I was like, well, now I feel like I'm robbing the families because, you know, they're not getting the help they really mm-hmm. need because they're coming home and relapsing after I tell them that they're going to get this great treatment. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. um, so we changed it and we moved it into more of long-term continuum of care. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, intervention mm-hmm. with long-term case management slash mm-hmm. recovery assistance. Mm-hmm. Um, but but most importantly, I think. Go ahead. 
I mean, but that's fantastic because, but you had to learn through your experience. Like this was something that you, you, you saw was, was going to, this is what was going to be happening over and over again. And, and for you to, um, you know, figure out a way to support these people, uh, on, on, you know, for, for a long, ca- like long-term care, because like you said too, I, I, I always felt bad when I, someone would call me for, to get their, you know, loved one help and I would put them in a treatment center or I'd get them, you know, situated somewhere where I thought would be appropriate. And then that person would only stay for a certain amount of time or else the insurance ran up, they went home, they ended up relapsing and, and dying. You know, I mean, this, this happens all the time. Um, and you know, it, it, for us as providers and helpers and whatever that our, our official roles are, I mean, we're invested in helping people period. And so I, I think, through your experience, seeing that, that that's needed too, that, that the long-term care, I think that's just wonderful, but it goes to show that we have to, you know, it's tr- trying things out and seeing how they work or don't work. Yeah. And so that was like 10 years ago, I realized it wasn't just about getting the person to treatment and yeah. it's about long-term care that there, there needs to be some follow-up. And, you know, fortunately, you know, you know, we talked about it before about the the case management and long term care. But fortunately, now we're getting insurance companies to pay for that. But that's that's so important part of the intervention process to educate the families that you know this is not a quick fix. There's this mm-hmm. is a process. It's going to take a long time, and we need you on board to support this for a long time. And we're going to show you how to support this and you know, show them how they were supporting the addiction and how to support the recovery process moving forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so what does an intervention entail? So for people out there that are curious, that have heard about them and want to understand the process better, can you tell us a little bit about what goes sure. on? Sure, sure. Well, in the last few years, we even changed it more intensely from, you know, an intervention being on getting the person to treatment and long-term care we changed it the last couple of years is the intervention isn't even on the addict, period. The addict has nothing to do with the intervention. The intervention is on the family system because okay. if we could change the family system, we're going to get a different result with the addict. Mm-hmm. So I don't even That's true. bring the addict into the, the, the conversation until later on because Really, it's about changing their behavior because all the families out there that say and think that they're doing the right thing. And again, this is no judgment. This is no, you know, pointing the finger at them. This is more about just an awareness. But they've been padding, putting pads underneath their loved one's rock bottom for years. Mm -hmm. And Every single addict out there that I know of has to hit a rock bottom to want to change. And the families keep padding it and padding it. And, oh, they just got arrested. Let's get the best lawyer out there to help them get out of the legal consequences. So another pad. Mm-hmm. Oh, my mm-hmm. God, you know, they can't live with us anymore. But, you know, they come stay with me, you know, mm-hmm. and visit with me. So they keep putting I'll, I'll buy them food or you know, oh, my God, I'll just give them a little bit of money. There's so many ways. I'm going to pay their cell phone bill because I want them to stay in contact with me. Right. So there's so right. many ways they pad that rock bottom that if they were left to their own devices out there, they would have hit that rock bottom and they would have surrendered and asked for help. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So, so, and I think that's, the, that's, it's like treating the underlying cause of something, which is the family support in a way, even though, you know, they think that they're not, but so, yeah, so it's, you start with that now and then, and then eventually what do you, the, the addict is, is for not forced, but is now more prone to, to <laughs> accept, accept the help. Is that, is that it? Is that like the thinking? <laughs> But I like I like what you said, force. Yes, because that's what the family thinks. That's what the addict thinks. But in all yeah. reality, if we could train the family system, the friends, the families, to stop enabling and yeah. to finally say, I'm not going to tolerate and watch you kill yourself any longer, and mm-hmm. I'm going to change what I'm doing. So when mm-hmm. they change what they're doing, all of a sudden, the addict's hitting their rock bottom a lot faster and they surrender and ask for help. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really simple. If you look at the big picture here, it's like, we're not even telling the addict they have to go to treatment. We don't care if they go to treatment. I don't care if you mm-hmm. go to treatment. I, you know, But your family, mm-hmm. as of today, is going to now, the stuff that you sold from them, instead of turning a blind eye and saying, oh, my God, I, I, you know, I got to lock up all my stuff again because they keep stealing, what they're doing is they're going to create a list. And everything that you stole or the bad checks that you wrote or the credit card charges you charged without their permission, mm-hmm. they're going to bring to the police department and they're going to file uh, charges against you. And they're going to, you know, um, they're going to press charges and have you arrested for stealing from them. You broke a law. You broke mm-hmm. the law. And now mm-hmm. you're going to face the legal consequences. But if you're in recovery, we don't have to go down that road. If you're going to stay in your addiction, we're going down that road right now. And mm-hmm. I know Eric Eric McLaughlin's here, our C- CEO of our company, and he just did an intervention recently. And the woman was leaving treatment, actually, one of you know our our friend's facilities, and um, and she's leaving treatment, and it's her dog. You know, the family has access of the dog because she's in treatment right now, and so. We're taking the dog and we're bringing the dog to a pound and the pound is going to be one that puts dogs down. So you could make the choice. And again, I love pets, so I'm not saying that you know, to ever yeah, do this. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if, if it comes down to you're going to leave treatment and the only thing you care about, you don't care about the love of your family, but you love your pet, then mm-hmm. you don't get a pet anymore. The pet's mm-hmm. gone. Unless mm-hmm. if you finish recovery treatment, if you finish and stay in treatment and live in recovery, then you will get your pet back when you're done with treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really, it's showing them the different consequences. And Eric, welcome to the show. I'm happy to have you with us. Oh, thanks. It's good to be here. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, the intervention process is such a, a magical gift for families. Um, when they finally see they have some agency over the bad decisions that their loved one is making as a result of their addiction. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, oftentimes uh, families just, they don't know that they can do something different because they're, the, the addiction has caused so much dysfunction in the family that everyone becomes kind of calibrated to that dysfunction. And they mm-hmm. think, well, this is all we can hope for. And, you know, right. when we pull that addict out or the active addict out, it's amazing that the family's first instinct is to try and keep what they're used to, which is that dysfunction. So a lot of the work we do as part of interventions is the post-intervention support for the family because they almost always relapse or revert right. back to the old behavior 
cry it to yeah. the loved ones. And, mm-hmm, you know, they mm-hmm. can be just as responsible for that loved one leaving treatment um, than, the, than the actual addict is. Sometimes the addict is, is doing what they've always done, and the family mm-hmm. just continues to support that. And, you know, we talk about this idea of, you know, addiction being a brain disease, and it's, it's the same thing for the families. They're rewired. They're yeah. wired to work a certain way, and they need time to rewire to know, okay, just because he looks better, sounds better, mm-hmm. smells mm-hmm. better, doesn't mean that mm-hmm. I should immediately start giving him money. Uh, you know, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a, when mm-hmm. Ken says the process is with the family, I mean, I can't stress that enough that if we can uh. show the family a new way to, let's use the term dance, if we can show them a new dance, they're all doing the tango. If we can mm-hmm. show them how to Charleston, the chances mm-hmm. of their loved one getting better are, are, are greatly increased. Yeah, and I, I'm so, I'm just so happy that you're bringing this up because, but but giving the family a way to to also um, continually get that support and that reiterate that to the families is important because I know, you know, a, a lot of. I'm not saying all addicts do this, but a lot of addicts will 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 clean up, do better, feel better, look better, and 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 manipulate again or rely on that to lead them back to manipulating their their loved ones again. You know, it's it's almost like a comfort for them to know that 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 now there's a way to kind of getting good again. You know, I'm doing great, I'm doing well, and and let me come home now. And and the families break so fast because they believe it, they want to believe it. I mean, it's it's they're hopeful that this person is really true, truthfully changing, and and then. And it breaks also my heart to see that, again, they don't get that support there. No one saying to them, remember what we taught you. Remember what yep. remember what we said. You know, there's no one to do that with them, you know, or usually they don't they don't have that support. And so that's why I'm, I'm so grateful that you guys are doing this. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I tell all my families, uh, you know, when you talk about manipulation, um, yeah. you know, especially with parents, I, I always tell them. Uh, you know, your son or daughter knows how to push your buttons because they're the ones that installed them. Um, you know, <laughs> I love it's, that. It's almost, I love that. Yeah, it's almost like a default uh, totally. setting that everyone returns to. And it's, it's, it's to get back to that homeostasis that they've become mm-hmm. so used to over the course mm-hmm. of the six or seven years that this addiction has been progressing. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're fighting a long-term tide of behavior and learned responses and, uh, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. to, to change that is so difficult. Oh, you're right. It is. And, and, and anybody could see that anyone that's listening that has this going on in their families, they could see the dance. They, they know, you know, it's, uh, the action and the consequence and then the reaction. I mean, it's, it goes on with every, every family and every, uh, system that's out there. Um, so can, can you guys, so, could you speak a little bit of more about so when you okay so then you explain what the intervention entails um do you guys do you refer to specific places depending on the case you know i mean for people i know that i get this question a lot emails about this like you know my situation is very different my kid is a gambler and he's this i mean do you guys really um which i assume and individualize the treatment for each person yeah, so what we would do is, you know, after we get the family, because some families are more relieved, you know, like, oh, my God, thank God you told me this, so now we can blame it on you, and they'll <laughs> follow our direction. Yeah. And then, you know, and then other families will fight us. But, you know, going into where they go to treatment when we pick treatment centers mm-hmm. is, first, we always look for clinical. You know, what's the best clinical fit? Like, do they right. have a co-occurring, you know, yeah. process addiction with gambling or sex addiction or something else? Right. So we we look at clinical first, and then 
you know, it's unfortunate, but we have to look at the financial, you know, mm-hmm. what is their insurance cover? What is their financial means to help support, you know, what, what we're looking at? So mm-hmm. those are the two key components that we have to look for before picking a treatment center. And then we give them three options, three or more, you know, it just depends on what they like. They, oh, I don't like this one. I, let me try this one. You know, we'll give them a minimum of three different options and say, you know, these are three people, three treatment centers that we love. This is why we love this one and this one and this one. But we want you to call them and we want you to make that decision. You know, Mm -hmm. you make that decision as a family member of which facility you would pick, you know, with the, the understanding of what we already told you, why we would recommend them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and the, you know, that brings us into another topic. You know, there's so many people out there calling themselves interventionists. And what they're doing is they're they're selling the patient to the highest bidder. So they're right. giving three treatment centers that are going to pay the most dollars back to them. To them. So, to them. Yeah. yeah. To them. Yeah. So, yeah. like, if I was to say, okay, here's three treatment centers. This one's going to pay me six grand. This one's seven grand. And this one ten grand, you know, because they have great insurance. And they're calling themselves interventionists. But if you get, you know, joint commission accredited and um, independent coalition of treatment providers um, that has a Pricewaterhouse and Cooper's ethics audit on you, you will not be doing that because, you know, you have to go Mm -hmm. just like the joint commission does an audit on you, you know, Pricewaterhouse and Cooper's does an audit also, and you cannot body mess around yeah you can't mess around with that yeah and um and you work with them closely right you you're working uh with price waterhouse yes yes we went to the joint commission but unfortunately they couldn't you know cross that barrier and because they're about safety care and safety Mm -hmm. you know um Mm -hmm. patient safety and care and we we kind of came up with this thing with price waterhouse and coopers where we said Okay, now that we do, we have the audit to there, we need to continue the audit in the business side, looking at the business and ethics. Yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm. they're just going to start that this month coming up. And, you know, and then you could have intervention companies, you could have treatment centers, you know, because be transparent. If you're, if you're transparent and you don't care if somebody comes in and does an audit, I mean, it's uncomfortable when you, anybody gets audited. But yeah. if you're going to be transparent, and let people know where the money's coming from. So that you really have to look out for. If you're yeah. doing, if an interventionist is referring to places, you got to make sure that there's no financial ties there. Because then, is it really best clinical or best whatever, or is it best for my pocket? Right. Absolutely. I'm. I'm really happy you brought that up. It's something everybody should be aware of, which is a whole nother show and a whole nother topic <laughs> of w- what goes on in this industry and and you know what you called it body. What you call it body, body selling? Is that what you said? Patient brokering. Yeah. Patient brokering. Oh. Body. Patient brokering. Right. Exactly. Which which goes on too. Um. But yes, that's why people like. Ken and Eric and, you know, this is this is who you should be reaching out to, uh, you know, people that have that that have everyone's best interest in mind. And it, there's there's not something unauthentic going on. So, Ken, also, can you tell us a little bit about the intervention show on A&E? Um, I, you know, I, I think most people have heard of intervention on A&E. And I know through the years, I, I think I've maybe seen it once or twice, but it was like a couple of years ago it was so 
um, intense. And as a treatment provider, you know, when I come home at the end of the day, it's not like the first thing I want to um, be reminded of all the time. But it was such a great show and it was such a great way of, of showing the the, the the realities of, of these addictions. And, and I know that they, um, they take so many kinds of cases. Like it's not just your typical alcoholic. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the show, your involvement with it? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, we just, the season premiere just kicked off uh, a couple of weeks ago. So uh-huh. I think we're in our 17th season. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't realize I, you've been doing it. That's a long time. Yeah. 17 seasons. So, you know, um, Right now, we're excited because, this, you know, as you know, as the years go on, we're we're handling more and more difficult cases, you know? Yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. The people are getting sicker and quicker and, you know, mm-hmm. psychosis and all the things that we're dealing with. But all these years, you know, I feel so honored, like you said, about being part of the show because when I first started doing interventions, it would take me, you know, a long time to explain to the caller what an intervention even is. But because mm-hmm. of that show, it's on, in yeah. the front lines of people's, you know, mindset. They they get what an intervention is. You don't have to explain it. Um, exactly. The only yeah. thing we do have to explain now is, like I said, it's not an intrusive procedure. It's more of a loving, respectful process to help save a loved one. Yeah, absolutely. But it has brought it has brought that conversation to the forefront. And that's that's really fantastic that people do uh, do understand that this is an option that is available for them. And that's, you know, when they feel like they're just so hopeless, um, you know, this is this is where, oh, gosh, there are people out there that really can step in and help me, which is the goal for people to understand. that. Yeah. And I I hear all the time, like when people go to treatment and, you know, I'll go travel all over the country and visit treatment centers and they'd be like, Oh my God, I loved you on that show. I'd sit there and I'd watch it as I'd get high and say, why isn't anyone coming to do my intervention? And, you know, they intervened on themselves, you know, because of watching the show. They saw that there was help out there and they could get help Mm -hmm. and they, you know, wondering why they didn't have the people come around. So if you're listening and you have a loved one out there suffering, they're probably sitting there wondering, why aren't I loved enough? Why don't they Mm -hmm. love me? Why is no Mm -hmm. one coming to help me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I'm so happy that you did. You said that because just just by people sitting there in the middle of the night watching shows, too, that plants a seed for them as well. So, I mean, the more exposure, the more we could lift the stigma of all of all of these things in, in this this recovery world, the better off we'll be. And, and Ken, just and maybe, Eric, you could speak to this, too. Um, you know, lately I, I've been getting in touch with a lot of clients that don't have family. They really don't. They have very little family support or parent has died. They don't have siblings and they, they really have no one in this world or they have a couple of friends that have brought up this person needs help. How, how do we, how do we give, cause we're speaking a lot to, to families, which, um, is important too, but how do we encourage and, and support other, uh, communities and friends that are also trying to get people help? Yeah, and you don't need, you know, a family, you know, who your family is. You know, I have a really good friend of mine that his parents both died, and he has aunts and uncles in other states that don't even live anywhere around him. But Mm -hmm. your family is your friend. Who's around you? Is it your coworkers? Is it your supervisor? Is it, you know... Mentor, yeah, absolutely. Your your mentor, do you belong to a church or, you know, a religious, you know, organization? People, you know could intervene on people 
and they don't have to be immediate family. If you see somebody struggling, you know, get out there. And like I said, they, you know, they may not have an immediate family that's going to be there for them. And they're wondering, why aren't they being loved? So if you care about anyone that's out there struggling, be their family. And if they Mm -hmm. do have extended family, reach out to their extended family and tell them that they're struggling and you'd like to lead and help get them the help that they desperately need. Yeah. And thank you for thank you for talking to this point, because that's 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 what I wanted to kind of touch upon is that there, it doesn't have to be a family member. If you have family, great. What a blessing. And uh, sometimes it's not such a blessing. But if you have, you know, if you have somebody that's close to close to you that you see suffering and killing themselves, that is that is OK for you to to get help for them. And, uh, you know, I think so many people are very scared to speak up and, and, you know, for fear of pushing someone away or fear of being rejected or fear of insulting somebody. And, you know, it's this is about saving lives. And I and I think, um, you know, the the intensity of what this is all about is it's all worth it because that person will lose their life. I mean, this is a life or death um, disease. Absolutely. And way too many people are dying today. So if you see somebody that is struggling, you know, even, you know, dabbling into opiates or heroin because it's laced with that, you know, fentanyl and they're dropping like flies. So you see anybody dabbling in that. They don't even have to be addicts. If you see them, you know, that they're doing getting involved in that at any level, you need to contact the professional Get somebody involved. Get some support. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this alone. Don't let them die. Yeah. I, thank you. Yes. Please do not. And and contact Ken. Contact Eric. Please tell us where they could find you. Please tell us how everyone could get a hold of you guys. So if you go to intervention nine one one dot com, you could just give us a ring there. We'd love to answer any questions. There are no dumb questions. You know, there is nothing small enough just pick up the phone and give us a call yes thank you everybody please please do that intervention 911.com ken and eric thank you so much for joining me today you're listening to rewired radio on radio md i'm erica spiegelman stay well